they had a lifeboat in the middle of the dance floor. And there were crew members with life jackets on poking their heads out of it. And I'm like, maybe we don't have a Titanic party while we're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. I'm Brent Philbin. I'm here with Kareem Baruke. Say hello. How you doing, Brent? Good. I know I'm doing this a little bit weird because I'm I didn't write an intro, but we're here doing another roundtable episode. We've been told we need to stick to crypto, and we think we disagree. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll do whatever we want. Yeah. Thank you very much. Our roundtables are going to be whatever. They're going to be loosely related to crypto. I promise you that. But we're going to stretch that sometimes. No. So here's here's what we're doing today. Our roundtable series are going to be. They're gonna as long as they're just us and not a guest that we need to focus on. They're gonna have a little bit of crypto news, and then they're gonna be the roundtable. So if you want to jump to later in the episode, you can do that. If you don't want to hear the news, this one is Kareem's topic. He got all mad at me last week because I picked two topics in a row, and then I was like, okay, go, well, Kareem, go ahead and pick the topic for this week's episode, and it's astroturfing. So he picked a topic that I had never even heard of before, and I'm like, well, great. So he gave me, he literally gave me required reading for today's episode, and there is. I would like to say it was required watching. Yes. Well, he, it is required watching, but he wrote it as required reading. So once we get to the end of the episode, <laughs> I'm going to find out what astroturfing is, what Kareem's take on it is, and I'm just going to argue with him for fun. So that's going to come up. But first, we're going to get into some possible news. We're going to be talking about Icarus. We're going to be talking about Nano passing a test. We're going to be talking about Vitalik going batshit on Twitter. We're talking about VeChain. Doing some stuff in China, and then we're getting along to astroturfing. How's that sound? Uh, you make it sound really exciting, Brent. It's like we're watching a Formula One race here, but it's amazing. Have you ever watched a Formula I can One feel race? Your energy. Uh, no, <laughs> I, <laughs> neither have I. I don't, I don't feel like the announcing is that intense on a Formula One race. We're like, oh, and they're driving in a straight line. Oh, flames are going everywhere. Actually, Formula One, they turn. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. It's more like wrestling. I grew up with pretty, uh, pretty exciting announcements. Like you know, his, uh, Spanish people are very passionate about their f- football. So yes, that's that true. is exciting announcements. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just start screaming "goal" at the end of like any time you make a good point. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, con un gol. All right, but anyway, sorry that I just <laughs> for whoever had their uh, audio turned all the way up there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let me. We're gonna cor- start with. Wait, we're gonna start. Oh, are you gonna do the announcements? No, no. Oh, I was gonna go right into the news. Look at you, Brent. You keep us on pace. Somebody <laughs> should promote you to host, man. <laughs> I, I apparently <laughs> like. I don't. I just fly by the seat of my pants on these, and I was actually gonna forget about them too. So. A couple of quick announcements, the most important of which is join us in the R Cryptocurrency subreddits Discord on Tuesday, for real this time, at 10 a.m. So that's tomorrow, I'm sorry, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Central, their calendar is in Central Time. So we're going to go on there, we're going to talk about the news of the week. It might be some stuff that you've heard on the flagship or this episode, but hopefully there will be some new content in there, and we're going to interact with the members of that community and see how that turns out. That could go anywhere. If the audio is good enough, we'll even release that in some way. So you don't have to be there, but you should be there because then you can ask questions and we can talk about them. So 
uh, that's for real. They announced it, made it all official and everything. There's about six or seven different uh, different partners, so it's a pretty exclusive group, Kareem. We are uh, we're, we're in the top six <laughs> or seven people that a subreddit with just under a million subscribers wanted to hear. And you know, we're, I don't like bragging, Brent. You know that, but I believe uh, membership was open to the entire world. So that was yeah. that was six people that were selected out of over seven billion uh, humans. Yep. So. Yeah, we're, yep, we're, we're in the point zero 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 one percent All right. Other announcements. We've got the Just Hands podcast. Uh, Mike went on a poker podcast. It's kind of kind of cool. We will put the link to that, but he just finished that interview. A little crossover. We've got that poker thing. So if you're one of our poker listeners and you happen to know who the Just Pot, Hands podcasts are, they, they're really cool guys, and we're super happy to have us on. They know way more about poker than we do. And they might even know more about crypto than we do. I don't know. But uh, we'll post that link. (laughs) I'm excited, actually, to hear the hand. I'm pretty excited to hear the hand because I do listen to the podcast and they have pretty good breakdowns. So it'll be fun to hear Mike on the show. Sweet. I don't know. I don't play that many hands anymore. So and I'm bad at them when I do. So anyway. And finally, (laughs) if you want to have a voice in what our next 101 is, the poll is still up. I'm not actually sure if it'll still be up when the Monday episode comes out, but another poll will be in its place. So if you want to affect the direction of this show, we will be posting the straw polls on the Discord. I will try throwing them out on Twitter once in a while just to see what the difference is. But I think if we throw them on Twitter, it's just going to be a bunch of like shills and moon boys trying to pick the direction of the podcast, which I'm not about. So Agreed. All right. That's it for my announcements. All right. So we can get to the news then. Yes. We can can get to the news. (laughs) All right, Brent gave us this idea of making these little news clips on the roundtables just specific to the coins that we have covered, and I get to do a little update on Cardano. Oh, As everybody knows, Ada is like one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, and if you're watching the video, you can see that I'm wearing a little Cardano shirt. But anyway, um, there is a recent release of... What is essentially uh, Cardano's light wallet is a Chrome extension called Icarus. But it's really exciting for a couple of reasons. Number one, anybody who's used Daedalus, which is the wallet that Cardano has, it is pretty clunky. It has to connect to the entire blockchain. Um, Some people have problems syncing. So this was... Cardano's solution, because basically what was happening is a lot of third-party people were coming up to um, IOHK and basically saying, hey, look at our our client wallet for Cardano, tell us what you think. And basically, they were finding a lot of security flaws. So they decided to release this Light Wallet as a model for anybody else that wants to create their own third-party wallet, that they have the security blueprint that they need. So it's open source with the MIT license. Um, You can use your normal passphrase from Daedalus to basically recreate or import your wallet into the Light Client. You won't have to be syncing to the blockchain. And yeah, it's exciting because it's going to open up a lot more interaction with other parties. So we're going to start seeing... Uh, remember, Cardano has really been a pretty young project, so I think this is cool because we're going to start seeing a little bit of decentralization where not everything that's going on with Cardano is going to be coming from IOHK. So there's a update from Charles Huskinson in the show notes and, uh, you know, like a IOHK's blog release on this. We'll link it. Yeah, this is this is kind of like their version of MetaMask almost, right? Like their in-browser right. in, in seems to be super secure. 
I don't know about their names. I know they do a lot of science-related names. But isn't Icarus the one that, like, his hubris caused him to, like, die? He's, he flew too close yeah, to the I sun, mean, right? Yeah, he did, fl- he did fly too close to the sun. Um, I don't know. It would be interesting to know uh, why they picked it. <laughs> it's like, it seems like it's the historical. worst name know. ever. I don't know. Uh, I like it. I don't know. I like all the historical yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I, I Just, like... And it goes and it goes with their it goes with their wallet. Look, Icarus could fly, right? So maybe that's the reference. Like it's the light wallet. Oh. Um and Daedalus I think Daedalus was the one that designed the maze for the Minotaur and Icarus was his son. Yeah, I know Icarus I think, was Daedalus, something like that. Daedalus' son. So that I remember. Well, then there you go. And he can fly and he's the light version. <laughs> look, look, I I just know that this reminds me of the time that I was on a cruise ship and they had these, I, I go on a lot of cruises, but this time stuck out because they had a theme night on the cruise where every night you would go into this room if you were like a diamond member and they had a different theme every night because it was a transatlantic. So there were like tons of diamond members, right? And if you go in, it would be like a hoedown or whatever. Well, one night the theme was Titanic. They had a lifeboat in the middle of the dance floor, like this like triangular blow up lifeboat. And there were crew members with life jackets on poking their heads out of it. And I'm like, maybe we don't have a Titanic party while we're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) Nobody else sees this. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) A little bit of a tangent. I I could see the captain being like, don't be silly, Brent. That was a long time ago. This boat is impossible to sink. (laughs) Right before... (laughs) <laughs> something terrible <laughs> happens uh whatever uh, anyway so always good we're gonna do definitely end up doing some sort of an update on cardano because we know they're doing a lot of things uh and but it's always heavy with them so we need to research it and get into it something that's not quite as heavy nano nano's doing some stress testing of their network i uh, i was i was wondering why nano was kind of going crazy i mean like price wise, because like I have some nano which I'm down like 95% on or something like that. But the I was looking and it was like the day gains were like 100%. And I'm like, whoo, now it's a dollar and change as opposed to less than a dollar when I bought it at 35. But the, the I, I saw it and I'm like, I wonder if there's like a reason for that. They get listed on Coinbase, is there a pump and dump group, whatever. And I did some looking and it turns out they released version 15 of their of their network and they engaged in a stress test that hit 756 transactions per second with no problem. So they've been having some issues with spamming in the network because they have no fees, right? So they're trying to scale their network to the point where they can handle this. And 756 transactions per second is pretty big to to put that in perspective. Bitcoin is seven. So they're currently a hundred times more throughput than Bitcoin but that's always been there. That's the only thing they have going for them. That's what Nano is for. So the the fact that they're getting better at that is good. But it's also interesting to note that all the developers are doing this off of pretty much donations. There's no fund or no uh, ICOs or anything like that with Nano. So it's, that's kind of cool. And, of course, I saw another piece of news. Nano is being added to 200,000 online merchants. And I'm like... That's got to be good, right? That's got to be great for adoption. 200,000 online. Holy crap. You think that's what really what it really was, Kareem? Sounds like clickbait. Yeah. Well, so what it is is they got added to the Bitcoin Superstore, and the Bitcoin Superstore sells gift cards. 
So, so therefore, apparently, they're added to two hundred thousand online merchants. If you can now purchase a gift card th- from from a third party with Nano, I hate I hate the crypto community so much, and I love the crypto community so much. Like, it's uh, it's such a double edged sword. They all do this. They all, they all do. This, I know. Though. This is every everybody does this. I believe me. It's not just crypto. It's I I think that may tie into what we're talking about later. If I understand the 10% of astroturfing. Just to be clear, Kareem sent me the required reading. I did it. Mike just said, nah, fuck that. I'm out. I'm not doing the episode. I'm out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Mike's playing a poker tournament. Yeah, he's doing very well in a poker tournament. Allegedly. Yeah, he said he was down to six, so we'll see. Well, maybe we'll send him back to the Just Hands podcast. Or maybe, hey, maybe he owes them a percentage. Maybe they fix some leaks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, what else we got here? Oh, if you are interested in Ethereum as a project and Vitalik, he just recently went on this tweet storm where he sent 75 tweets in a row (laughs) with a bunch of links and names and everything. And it's basically the entire history of Casper and the research behind Casper, like the problems that they're trying to solve, how they wanted to implement proof of stake and and the problems that they found. He, he mentions um, Vlad Zemfir a lot, which is like his uh, partner at Ethereum. And it's interesting. It just goes from the very beginning. It has a million links. If you're interested, we're going to link it in the show notes. It's way too long and it has way too many branching paths for us to get into it here. But if that's your thing, it'll be in the show notes. I actually clicked on this to be like, well, Kareem's not that interested in like Twitter politics, so he may mention it. I'll go ahead and read this and sum it up, open it up, and I'm like, all right, never mind. <laughs> Went right back to the outline. I'm like, yep, there's that is the longest thing I've ever seen. Okay, cool. So yeah. <laughs> I maybe he's trying to make Twitter relevant again. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's still kind of relevant, but tweet Twitter's where it's at. It's where we do everything now. <laughs> all right so so that's it that's it for the coins and their news did that for about 15 minutes that that's what you can expect on these roundtables that include the news we're kind of trying that out i don't even know if people Wait, what about this vaccine thing oh shit all right and in other news <laughs> we don't normally do this at night i'm not even sure that uh we're both sober so i'm certainly not i got a lot in me a lot of coffee VeChain announces vaccine tracking solution for China. So we've mentioned that they are trying to do this, but they've actually gone forward, said they have a partnership. There was the big thing in, I think, July, where the there were 100,000 faulty vaccines sent out, right? Like either they were right. trying to get away with cutting corners or the lady that sells multi-level marketing shit down the street is running some government block of china or something i don't know but the vaccines were shit they went out and now they're trying to find solutions to this so it doesn't happen again and there's a company called dnvgl that's now partnered with vchain and they're gonna present this they they haven't actually been accepted by any of the uh the chinese government but gnvl is a company that provides certification services for big pharmaceutical companies in china but as with all this news you read it and you're like, damn, that sounds really good. Well, they're also an equity owner of VeChain. So <laughs> that would be like 
me announcing a really big partnership with Funky Headbands on the podcast and be like, yeah, they're the new sponsor of the Crypto Basic Podcast, but it's actually owned by Mike. <laughs> and he's just selling the headbands he's been wearing on every show for for the uh, since we started. Wasn't that uh, isn't that the Justin Sun move when he did that with yes. the uh, social network? Did oh Tron announces partnership with company that Justin Sun owns all of it. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, and maybe that's the maybe that's the he move. should just start new companies so he can announce new partnerships. Why don't we? Start a couple of subsidiary companies, announce partnerships with them, make ourselves seem cooler, and then maybe we'll also announce a partnership with a coin that we also created. Sound good? I have a better one for you, uh, Brent. Let's just get a partnership with somebody that sells gift cards. That way we can say Crypto Basic <laughs> is associated with 200,000 merchants across the United States. It's a great idea. <laughs> uh, this may actually be something that's right, very so, good. I don't know. But it, it was just funny to me that this is... Anyway, Sorry. Yes, we're done with the news, Brent. We were done when you forgot yep. about the news. We could have skipped this. And <laughs> All right. So here's the roundtable discussion, which for today's discussion is going to be a ping pong discussion. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, there was a new John Oliver. This was the quote unquote required reading that Mike and Brent cried about that I asked them to just watch 18 minutes of comedy. But if you watch the new John Oliver, he talks about astroturfing, which is something that we've kind of referenced a little bit before on the podcast. So for anybody that doesn't know, astroturfing is basically when a company or a government or an institution where somebody tries to pretend like there's social support for something through underhanded tactics. So you can set up, you know, whatever, fake foundations, or you could pay people to go online uh, and say that you, they love this product or uh, all the different things that you could do. We're going to link the video. John Oliver does a great job of covering some things. Um, but Brent, I mean, like before we dive in, what what did you think about the video? Oh, no, I, listen, this is all pretty ridiculous. I, I did, I kind of, like I, I understood that this term, and I, I understood some of these weird things that we're going to go over. I thought it was a little bit more broad and I think like, it kind of falls under the umbrella of fake news. And it's one of the things that I hate that like Donald Trump and supporters are all fake news is fake news that they dismiss everything as fake news. They're, they're fucking right. Sometimes like that's the problem. There's so much of this kind of shit going on that they can, they can now throw this out and be dismissive and go over here, do the base level research of watching John Oliver. And they're like, look, this guy's a, this guy's a Democrat and he's saying all this stuff. So Ah, it's bipartisan. Anyway, yeah, it it is uh, it, it's a serious problem. Yeah. So right off the bat, it's fake news and that type of commentary is precisely what comes to mind because what ends up happening is once you can prove that this is prevalent, right? Not just that it's like an isolated incident, but that this behavior actually exists in the society, then. Anybody who wants to be overly skeptical of everything and that doesn't want to trust anything that comes from any, let's say, mainstream media or government institution or anything like that, like you said, they have a point because there's so much misinformation, so much is bought. So for those of you that haven't watched the video, like John Oliver discusses a couple of like, let's say, for example, there's groups that are created to lobby in favor of something. And their names are specifically like deceitful. So I wrote some of them down here. The Save Our Tips 
is a coalition of restaurant owners against the minimum wage. It's not wait staff. So I almost wish you uh, didn't national- tell me to watch this and like gave me a definition because then you could have said, "Hey Brent, what do you think the Save Our Tips Foundation is there for? Is it there to help yes. the workers or to help the restaurants?" <laughs> The National Wetlands Coalition, which is funded by oil and real estate development companies. The American (laughs) Council on Science and Health, which is funded by fracking companies, soda companies, e-cigarettes. Well, uh, diet soda can be very healthy, Kareem. That's true. That's true. If you drink diet soda, you can't get fat. Yeah. That is a fact. <laughs> I just got to start drinking diet By soda the way, and everything will be great. the basic are not nutritional advisors. We're not nutritional advisors, so please, you know, all nutrition has inherent risk. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> all right, so here's here's the question that one of the questions that I have for you is do you see a scenario in which cryptocurrency being a system which is designed to eliminate trust? can start tackling some of these problems because putting cryptocurrency aside, when I look at a video like John Oliver's, it seems like this is a problem that's just going to get worse and worse. Like the internet is anonymous, corporations and political people have more and more power. You can use Reddit, you can use social media, you could create fake campaigns, you can buy politicians, you could buy everything. So it just seems like this would get worse. Do you see an angle for cryptocurrency to... Try to limit this dynamic. Yeah, so for sure there is there is a way that cryptocurrency can help this. And we've said this before. I've certainly said this a bunch of times. I've, I feel like this is an overarching thing that the podcast believes. That a company has a responsibility to transparency, especially a foundation, where an individual has the right to privacy. So if you want to donate to one of these companies, that's fine. You shouldn't have to show your donation on a blockchain. And be attached to you. But if these companies start to use and utilize blockchain technology and you see that all of the money that's funding these restaurants are or, uh, funding the Save Our Tips is coming from other corporations that are restaurants, then I think you can deduce for yourself this information rather than just sound conspiratorial. Like you've got a tinfoil hat on. Like, no, Save Our Tips, they're funded by restaurant people. Like, that would sound like the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard if somebody said that to me. That just seems like the most conspiracy theory thing, like we didn't go to the moon or Save Our Tips is funded by the restaurant people. Without looking into what Save Our Tips yeah. does, both of those sound uh, equally absurd to me on the surface. So, um, yeah, certainly. But let's see, that's, this goes back. Sorry, this goes back to what you were just saying about like the situation with people who now don't want to believe anything because they say it's fake news. So a lot of people believe that the extreme conspiracies, right? Like everything is controlled by a bunch of people in a room. Like they control the president. They control everything. Let's say the deep state kind of like the media is all propaganda, et cetera. That's like the extreme conspiratorial position. But you have this underlying reality though that these people are tapping to, which is that a lot of things are controlled by maybe not by six people, but by these large groups of people that do have, that can buy or influence media outlets, science journals, that can create uh, lobbying groups and and 
put advertisements to save our tips and make people believe in they can hire actors. And then one of the things they talk about is that they can hire fake crowds. So now you could have fake protests or you can have uh, fake people show up to say that they support your company. So you just you start getting to this like illusion of reality that, yes, some people are too conspiratorial. But at the same time, we do live in a reality that has elements that feel conspiratorial because you're just like, damn, I don't even know what to believe. Yeah. And, and circling this back to crypto and blockchain, you really have a couple of ways, a couple of ways this can help. One, you can see that the, the money comes from where it comes and it's spent where it's spent, right? So you can see that that's going to help if that's possible. If they, if they've adopted a cryptocurrency where they are completely transparent. Also, if let's say like ontology takes, picks up steam, you know how like right now you go to change.org and you sign a petition. And you just like put your email on it. You can have as many fake people sign those petitions as you want. Like as long as you have an email, you go to 10minutemail.com, sign a petition, and you're you're in. Like I signed one petition. I signed the James Gunn back on Guardians 3 petition. And I am getting spammed relentlessly, by the way, by every single thing that they think that I want to click oh, on. Every, it's yes. Ridiculous. I, I regret every <laughs> yes. second of signing that thing now. Um Yes, sign this to save three tigers in Tunisia. I know. (laughs) Anyway, but now imagine if you can now take these change.org petitions, have a real person attached to them, where you say, we have 100 verified votes from ontology network provided people. And now you have a little bit of a, like a snowball here. Like you have... People who have legitimately devoted themselves to a cause. So now you take that one step further. Like we said, they have paid act, paid actors at these demonstrations. Well, maybe you can take it one step further and just verify that these people have already committed to the cause via the ontology network. They're like, no, I am a verified member of this cause. I'm turning on my geolocator. I'm here. So you can look in on a protest and see that there are 50 people who have turned on their phones to be at that protest and they've signed or something like that. I don't know if that's too much of an invasion of privacy, but it could be done and it could like, in theory, curb the problem of just, I don't know. One of the things in that video was like this dude showed up to a city council meeting, said a bunch of stuff and then went back up and he was like, actually, I just got paid a hundred bucks for that. Sorry. I don't really believe anything I just said. Yeah. That was crazy, right? That's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, no, uh, ontology is definitely one of the projects that came to mind, no question. And I know we specifically mentioned before on the show how we could see that even playing a role when it comes to places where you want to have anonymous discussion like Reddit, but where it would be valuable to know that you're talking to a real person who represents like real views in at least just one position as opposed to the hundreds of accounts being created. So if you could create like where ontology can verify one Reddit account and you know that it's a real person or you know that it's somebody that lives in the States. Um, Like you said, even with the support groups, when you see all the names and the signatures, can you verify that those are people that actually live in the zip code for the petition that they're signing? Um, All of those dynamics, that's definitely something that uh, ontology could bring. Obviously, there's other aspects that are too big for any one project to try to tackle, right? Like, I don't know what you could do about companies just <laughs> hiring actors because i guess actors could also use their ontology ids like well there could be there's there a could limit. be consequences to uh, that now, uh, now also i want to point out just because i feel like it needs to be said we're saying ontology but really what we mean is anything that does what ontology has proposed to do 
because we don't know that it's not going to be a competitor of theirs. That's just the only one that we've researched that's done right. that. So we don't want to talk about projects that we don't know anything about. So I, it, at the rest of this episode, we're probably going to talk about them more. Consider Ontology a placeholder for Civic or any of those other ones that we have not actually gone deep into the research on. Yeah, Civic is another good example. Anything that would allow you to verify that you're a real person while maintaining a layer of anonymity or being able to limit the amount of information that you disclose. Yeah, maybe it's as simple as... Again, privacy is always an issue. It could be as simple as requiring a donation to actually sign up for something like this. So, like, like maybe... uh, I'm just spitballing here, but maybe you have, like, ontology, and if you want to be a part of a cause, it requires you to stake $5 of your ontology or something like that. And... Now, when you change causes, something happens. I don't know where I was going with that. I, it sounded like a lot better idea in my head than when I said it out loud. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. And the thing here too is that you're allowed to change your the mind. The <laughs> people who are able to put these schemes together have money, right? Like, yeah, and also they have money, like, well, so they would be able to bankroll this if they can pay. If they can pay an actor a hundred dollars, they could stake his five dollar ontology and take the fee. Yeah. It won't be solved by, it can't just be financial fixes. It can't just be financial incentives because there are still going to be more financial gains to be had by cheating the system. All right. So actually, this is a good segue. I watched another uh, video, which was a TED Talk on um, astroturfing by a journalist. Her name is Cheryl Atkinson. Of course, we're going to put this in the show notes if you're interested to go watch it. But this lady's like the real deal. She's worked for a couple of the major publications like uh, CBS and ABC. She won the uh, Edward R. Murrow Award for investigative journalism. And anybody who, Edward R. Murrow, you remember he's the one from like, good night and good luck. <laughs> link. Yes. J- yes, Brent. I will put in the link. I'll remind myself. <laughs> anyway, so. She she talks about astroturfing and how much a uh, <laughs> I'm sorry a, a company it. can control the narrative from beginning to end, and she gives a hypothetical example, but she has some real world examples of how you find out about a drug, you see a commercial about a drug, and then you decide to go do some research. These are the different things that a one single drug company can do and has done in order to manipulate the sphere of information that you're going to try to get to, you know, when you're trying to do your research. So like right off the bat, we know that they're buying independent, quote unquote, independent social media. Like, so Facebook profiles, Twitter profiles, Instagram profiles of people who say they have a disease or they're like yoga people or whatever. You pay those promoters. They say that they're trying the drug and it's wonderful. Then it turns out with Wikipedia entries, a lot of those they're paying, they're buying access to see who gets to monitor and edit those articles. Wikipedia gets pitched as this, like anybody can edit, but it turns out that no, that there's a tons of topics where you try to edit something, you're going to get blocked out immediately. And there's been some scandals where it's been discovered that in exchange for money, you can be in control essentially of what gets put into those articles. And they've even done research where they compared the medical information in Wikipedia. And they said that it more often than not contradicted medical journals. Because we can't have anything. I know. God. No, I, dude, this is exactly the feeling I had. Then, if you go and try to search for the drug, like let's say, does this drug work or whatever, the company will have paid for optimized SEO and Google rankings. So you are most likely to get their results 
because they've been able to pay for the service to elevate it. On top of that, they can fund and create nonprofit charities with totally names that don't discover, like we said here, save our tips or whatever. They can fund the medical studies that are being used. And because they are funding the study, they can limit the information. So for example, if it's got exposure to cancer, they can like suppress that. And the government, the doctors in the government advisory board that approve or don't approve this board are allowed and often are paid consultants of that very same drug company. And lastly, your doctor, your personal doctor, when he goes or she goes to take their continuing education, a majority of the lectures that they can attend are sponsored by these drug companies. So they can attend the lecture, which is essentially a long commercial for this drug. So even if you are a skeptical, rational consumer, they can create a bubble of information control around you that is pretty freaking scary. Now, this is a lot of tinfoil hatting, but we got it from a TED Talk, so it has to be true, right? <laughs> well, she was able to give some specific examples, uh, and she was an investigative journalist. She's written a couple of books about it. What she ends the talk with, by the way, is like specific hallmarks of how you can catch it, which I want to cover later, but... All of these independently are true. I mean, like there have been the Wikipedia scandals, government advisory board uh, doctors do get paid by pharmaceuticals. The uh, continuing education courses are, they are sponsored by drug companies. So it sounds conspiratorial because we've just allowed it to get so far that the control is too much. Yeah. I I mean, Kareem, I don't really see a conflict of interest here. When we... If a drug company is sponsoring an education seminar, I mean that's fine, right? They, they they're the ones providing the drugs, like they're they can sponsor it. That's not going to affect the presenter in any way. You're really committed to just debating me for the sake of debating me, huh? I, I do, do. I sound pretty <laughs> committed. No way. <laughs> that is your committed voice. I wonder. I wonder what Mike would be saying here because he does like to he does like the devil's advocate this stuff. He's a good devil's advocate, and, yeah. and I feel like I'm letting him down by uh, by not like trying to to fight you on something here. But no, it it, it all sounds well. No, we don't listen. We don't always have to disagree. Yeah, <laughs> no, it all it all, it all sounds very bad. This is way Kareem's area of expertise, but you have to. It's so you're right. It's tough to stay skeptical. We, I have to really be very careful on how I do my research for anything these days anymore, and that 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 includes like. Look, something, it may be difficult to reach as far as to say these drug companies are controlling your entire sphere of influence and and basically creating a reality around you. If you want to take something that you already know is a scam and and find this in reality already happening, search for your favorite pyramid scheme, your favorite multi-level marketing pyramid scheme. Search for Herbalife and put scam on the end of it and watch what they've done with that SEO, they've actually started to SEO. All of these multi-level marketing companies have started to SEO with the word scam attached to it so that you read articles that say, is Herbalife a scam? An independent review. And then you start to read it and it's clearly just an ad for Herbalife that is presented as if they really took a step back and looked at this from a skeptical angle. So it's really interesting. Like that works with almost every multi-level marketing company out there. And that'll give you, and, and that's again, I mean, maybe you don't agree that a multi-level marketing company is a scam, 
but most of our listeners probably do. And you can see that working just from that angle. And, and again, what you're going to run in, run into on Facebook isn't a bunch of people running out there talking about how bad MLMs are because like 10% or 20% of their friends are like trying to get them to join them every week or something like that. So you don't want to piss everybody off. Same reason Mike doesn't want a downvote button on Facebook. I don't, I don't uh, follow that <laughs> particular <laughs> train of thought. I've argued with every single one of them and then blocked them. But, um, anyway, it's like, it's just a, it's a really interesting thing that the the way information can be presented to you, the way that fake news has evolved and come about. There's so many strictly financial incentives behind this. Kareem started yelling at me from, for creating a financial incentive. What I was really trying to come up with was a negative incentive for being for having one position and then supporting it and then the next week supporting another position. But at the same time, you should be allowed to change your mind. Like if somebody presents a good argument to you, you should be able to change your opinion on something. So how do you create a, a negative incentive on a network like Ontology so that a person getting paid $50 to go protest something is very clearly identifiable? I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. Somebody smarter than me should definitely come up with that. You know, uh, one of the things that interested me about your reaction when I was reading these is that the part that broke your heart the most was the one that hurt me the most, which was when I was watching the video, the part that affected me the most was finding out that Wikipedia was compromised in a way. Yeah. And like, I know that sounds ignorant because it's everybody always laughs about like, oh, well, Wikipedia anyway. But Wikipedia has actually been a fantastic source for me throughout my entire life. I've, I have found Wikipedia to be very useful. But to know that when it comes to certain topics like this, not just that there's controversy, but that it can actually be bought, um, I feel like that part was more frustrating. But here's a thought for you. Wikipedia is something that if that's happening behind the scenes, then that's something I could definitely see be improved in the blockchain world because the model is already there, right, for a decentralized encyclopedia. So I feel like a blockchain uh, protocol could take this... Yeah, it's something that makes it so that your editing is done through reputation, but that all edits are transparent. So, like, I feel like if there's more transparency, people, um, you know, at least people could check on something like this. Like, who's editing it? Oh, look, this person always is editing the articles of this drug company or something like that. That would that would show up on the blockchain, but if everything is in, you know, behind the scenes, it's much more difficult to I didn't control. want to interrupt you, but I am like 90% sure that that's what Everpedia is. I I am... What, what is it? E-V-R-I-P-E-D-I-A. Everpedia. I'm pretty... Like, I, I haven't looked into exactly what it is or exactly how it works, but I'm like 90% sure that it's... Wikipedia on the blockchain is their like elevator pitch. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people like to throw in the word blockchain next to anything. Yeah. So before I jump on it, here's what I would say. I feel like for the concept to work and to actually address the problem that we're discussing, that there has to be a well thought out editing system that involves reputation. If you, I feel like a lot of these systems are focused on how to improve reputation and how to have reputation in a system so that you have certain nodes that the rest of the network knows that they can trust those nodes because the incentives are so well-crafted. 
this would be very interesting, not just if it's quote unquote on the blockchain so that it's decentralized and anybody can access it. That's cool. But also if you can create some kind of mechanism that tells us that the editing and information adding on this encyclopedia is more transparent um, than any other encyclopedia. Yeah, maybe that's a maybe that's a future one-on-one topic where we got to look into what Everpedia does, how they do it, and what coins they might be associated with. I don't really know. I just I, I, again, this is, and I might even be wrong. I think you just googled it. Is that like what it is? I, uh, yeah, I, I googled it real quick. Let me see. Yeah, I just said on the blockchain, but I just. <laughs> I didn't want to stop and yeah, read. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I just want to know if that was the tagline because I I seem to remember that. So, and again, everything throws that it's tagline. It's a for-profit wiki based. Oh no, it doesn't look like it. It's a for-profit wiki based online encyclopedia founded in December 2014. That's all it says. For-profit. Okay, that's uh, interesting. Okay. Probably not an open source yeah, blockchain. That, that, maybe that's not what we're talking about. Sorry. <laughs> so, sorry to add uh, five minutes. Wait, 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 wait. No, hold on a second. You're really going to like it, actually. Uh, sorry, I had to read because this part you're really going to like. On December 6, 2017, the company announced plans to convert to using EOS blockchain <laughs> God technology. damn it. Son of a bitch. I just became <laughs> an EOS moon boy in the middle of this episode. Uh. <laughs> Uh, all right well all right so listen i wanted to cover quickly just to have like because it's a little depressing but she did go over what she considered the hallmarks of astroturfing that can help you identify when it might be happening especially when you're looking at like online or when you watch some ad that it's like we are Regular people just like you, and we hate Proposition Seven. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that. That's usually. <laughs> Vote no, dude. I, I, before you fi- before you finish, random side tangent. I just went to this restaurant. That instead of asking for your name for the order, they said, "Who do you want?" Or they said, "You have to answer this question for your order." And they said, "If you could have any fictional character as your uh, as your best friend, who would it be?" And I I said Morty, because that would. It, instantly make me rick and i was like bam best answer ever oh yeah you really tricked everybody (laughs) (laughs) you wouldn't just get you wouldn't just be brent with morty as a best friend (laughs) you get to change the rules oh i would pick jesus now i'm god sorry brent (laughs) i just tried no no (laughs) you're the same person see it doesn't work if you pick jesus then he's Uh, your best friend and you can't be god you actually ruined it just by, <laughs> now you're probably just like Judas. All right, so can I teach the people how to identify <laughs> astroturfing according to Cheryl Atkins? Yes, as long as that was a that was a Rick and Morty reference, right? Like I'm not crazy when you said the Proposition Seven thing, oh, like that was the Pluto thing. Eh, not really. Yeah, sort of like from Interdimensional Cable, the episode you hate. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. I, I really. I'm glad they stopped. I'm glad they started doing the mind blowers. Interdimensional Cable sucks. It does. It did not suck. Anyway, so here are the hallmarks. Number one, she says that astroturfing tend to use very inflammatory language, and they say things like "crank," "quack," "nutty," that you lie, that you're paranoid, "crazy," "conspiracy." Um, I know. Okay, so we just used all those words in yeah, the last I'm, round table when we were talking about like shows. <laughs> that's true you know it's funny i was thinking that and i was like well if you're into scientific skepticism you're using a lot of these words because some people are quacks (laughs) but 
Look, I saw this. I definitely saw this during um, the election in our politics. Like almost, like almost everybody that was impartial, uh, you know, believed that the Democratic primary was pretty much stacked in favor. The emails proved it. Like there's so much evidence after. But anybody who brought it up uh, in in the subreddit would instantly be attacked as conspiratorial. They're crazy. They're paranoid to say that the primaries could possibly be stacked or. Uh, whatever. And then it came out that there's like literally an entire group called Correct a Record that paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to have people sit on Reddit whose job was to sort on our politics and upvote certain stories, downvote certain stories, and always comment with a certain narrative. Anyway, they also said that uh, astroturfing tends to take on issues not by addressing the facts of the issue, but by attacking the people, personalities, and organizations around it and bad-mouthing them. So, Brent, because it's a good point that on our last episode we used the word paranoid, crazy, conspiracy, but one of the things that we wanted to focus on was, hey, let's talk about the subject matter despite the fact that it's Alex Jones. Yes. As opposed to try to do the opposite and say that because it's Alex Jones, then that's all we need to focus on, that he doesn't deserve a voice, that he's the worst, and then that's it. Everybody claps and we don't have to discuss the issue. So... People who try to not focus on the issue, that might be astroturfing. And uh, lastly, astroturfing tends to be critical of those who are critical of wrongdoing rather than the wrongdoing itself, or they are critical of those who question authority rather than being critical of authority. So that's what she covers in the video. thought it was interesting. A little maybe something to keep an eye out while you surf the interwebs. Yeah, it, it is tough. It, it is so tough to stay to to be skeptical and yet not just be so skeptical to the point where you don't believe anything. It's this it's this weird thing. Like I, yeah. I find myself researching you so don't many go into stupid things that people will say. Uh, I, there's an example from today. So I read somebody posted that there was a measles outbreak by the CDC, right? And they had a it was an article from ABC7 that also linked to the CDC tweet of there being a measles outbreak. And what did I think in my mind? Fucking anti-vaxxers, right? So what, what did I do? Instead of immediately posting on Facebook and saying exactly what I was thinking, I actually was like, you know what? Let's do a little bit of research. And what happened? A few tweets later, the CDD, the CDC said, I don't know why the news was running with that story like it was, like it was news. The the vac or the uh, the measles outbreak is not any different than any other year. It's one hundred percent within expected numbers. This isn't news. It's not an outbreak. We were just posting the numbers, and it, it <laughs> and like even something as simple as that that it feels like if they're linking directly to the CDC, how can they possibly misinterpret this and and come up with with a title like measles outbreak? Um, it's just today. So I had to do next level research on somebody's Facebook post. Like how often are we going to do that? So yeah, we d- there needs to be a solution. Dude, honestly, that's a great example because it touches on, I think another critical vector that she didn't cover is context. I'm always very skeptical of numbers that are given without context. And I feel like sometimes uh, I'll see this a lot, especially like when people are sharing garbage on Facebook or some kind of like meme-ish disinformation, but they'll just say something like, oh, this this many degrees or this population of 10 million. Or like you said, they just give you the number of how many people, how many measles outbreaks there were without giving any other context. 
And the first question is like, okay, well, what's the average? I have no clue. Is 10,000 a lot of measles? Is three a lot of missiles? measles? I don't know. I have absolutely no clue. So hearing the number without context, unless it's like 500 million, then I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure that's good no matter what. <laughs> the right context. Yeah, the number ended up being like just over 100 or something. Like it was, it was a... It was a lot of people for a disease that pretty much shouldn't exist, but was well within the norms that the CDC expected. So anyway, it's it's stuff like that. Like it's so crazy that you have to research every little thing somebody says. And and like you said, it will lead people to saying to saying, "Oh, the sources that you use to check this, they're wrong. Ours is the one that's right." Fake news and just dismissing it. Snopes, for instance, is a really good source to go and see what is going on with different Things that are posted. You just check Snopes and be like, is this true? And because Snopes tends to say that things that are uh, conservative in nature are not true, they're told that they are a liberal-leaning site or whatever. So, Time out, Brent. I, I got to pop another bubble. I'm so happy. Oh, gee, come on. Don't Snopes, take Snopes lady, away from me. No. The- Stop it. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> this lady specifically no. addresses Snopes. And she says that there is a <laughs> reverse strategy. <laughs> oh, my God. I wish you guys could see Brent. He's, like, crying on the corner. <laughs> Listen, so here's what happens. Apparently, they figured out that there's a part in your brain that releases, like, a reward mechanism. There's a reward mechanism when you feel like you didn't fall oh, for fuck. a scam. So you're more likely to believe a fact... If it gets presented to you as a scam that you didn't fall for. So some things, they take the reverse of what, like, let's say that they want to lie and say like, um, oh, this drug is, they want to, they want you to believe that this drug is good for you. So instead of writing an article that says this drug is good for you, they'll start a rumor and then they'll find like a Snopes article that says, oh, it's a, it's a myth that this, and they manipulate Snopes so that when you see it, you think you didn't fall for it, but you're actually falling for like a reverse judo yeah, it's it's literally specifically she specifically addressed Ugh. Snopes. Dude, Snopes has been a thing for me since the internet, like since I first got on the internet. I don't know when they were made, but like basically, I think like, they're from when Tampa. I, was, I, I mean, that would be sweet. I want to meet those guys. Hey, Snopes people, you want to come on the podcast and tell us about these people fucking using you to trick the? Ah. Anyway, I remember them being like the original. It was Snopes two dot com. I don't know if they're like regular Snopes now, but but like you had to go there. To find out, like, if UFOs were real and stuff. You would go there and be like, oh, nope, turns out that UFO isn't real. And I was I was using them, like, a long time ago. So you just, like, literally ruined my childhood more than Ghostbusters. Yeah. I'm sorry, man, but this, this episode was rough, yeah, huh? Jesus Christ. <laughs> just, all right, Brett, now that you know that you can't trust anything, can't believe in anything, all right, good night, buddy. You can go to bed now. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, my God. Uh, Snopes was founded in 1995. 1995. 1995. Yeah. Snopes and Wikipedia, bro. If you told me that I would be second-guessing those two sources, uh, I would have been very Uh. skeptical. And listen, real quick, before we start getting responses, listen, we understand that this is about a spectrum. We're not saying that Wikipedia and Snopes aren't trusted sources now. What we're saying is that maybe our own bubble is bursting a little bit in the fact that we're realizing that many of the sources that we trust 
can be just as susceptible to manipulation as sources that other people trust. So it it really is an ongoing game because unfortunately there is a coordinated effort to make us believe certain things. And why? Not because of evil conspiracies, but because of money and power. There's money and power in it. If somebody can sell you a drug, there's money there. Somebody can sell you a product, there's money there. Somebody can make you believe that GMOs are bad for you and sell you organic, there's money there. Like There's just money everywhere. So there's an incentive to manipulate our reality. So we have to be skeptical. <sighs> All right. So I don't even know where to go now when, when somebody posts something stupid on Facebook, which... I don't really even go on much, but the, the I, I really would have deleted it by now if it wasn't for this podcast. I feel like I might just do it anyways. But like I, if I can get enough if I can get to at least the same number of Twitter followers on at Chubby Crypto that I have on Facebook, and I actually have not been doing a good job at all of trying <laughs> to get Twitter followers on there. So if I can get to like the equal amount, then I'll probably just shut it down. I, I know my girlfriend has like really asked me, please don't just delete it because she likes the pictures and stuff like that. But I deleted everything before March. Nothing that I've ever posted before March of this year exists. So anyway, I don't even know where to go now. I have to find another site that is similar to Snopes that isn't compromised in such a way. It, it makes sense. Like Now that you think about it, it's like the reverse troll thing that South Park took care of. They're like, no, you don't just troll people. Right. You have to, you have to defend the position and be so insufferable about it that they will just hate you no matter what. Then... Like then it doesn't matter if you're trying to troll the position. You have to you do like the double reverse. If they make an article so stupid that like the five percent of people who will just share anything that comes from Republicans are us Facebook group or, or you know UFOs are real dot com or whatever the hell and and just click the share button on everything they see and then you're just constantly posting like Snopes stuff. Like somebody always does that. Somebody always sees the ridiculous thing and in the comments somebody posted the Snopes link. They're like you're dumb. So yeah, wow. There you oh go. my god. It's so a, next level. <laughs> so Stop listen, it. Uh, I would say two things. Number one, I'll say that the answer is that it's not easy. That if you want to have a balanced, a balanced information diet, the only way to do it is to actually, you know, try to look up multiple different. Sources. You have to try to triangulate it. Try to go. Yeah, you have to go multiple sources. You have to, uh, you know, really try to step out and see what maybe try to find the natural opposite side and see what it says um also i guess i'm gonna i'm gonna throw in a free plug here you know how sometimes you just throw in random commercials that we don't get paid for <laughs> i'm gonna do one of those Talk about the escape room <laughs> I'm gonna one, do one time of those right now <laughs> so um for those of you that are really interested in just like developing your skeptical skills which i think is something totally worth doing I've been listening to a podcast since I was probably 14 years old. It's called The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. It's about science. It's about skepticism. They talk about all this stuff, hoaxes. They talk about, um, you know, what's real science and what's not, how to be able to, you know, where science journalism goes wrong. They are fantastic. The lead guy there, his name's Steven Novella, probably one of the smartest dudes. It's really good. So if anybody's interested, I think that this... You know, being able to spot when you're being scammed or manipulated or misinformed or something, that's something that can help you develop that skill over time. And it's it's a I'm fun sh- Why haven't we had him on the podcast yet? I'm sure Lummy Flux knows him and we can just like reach out. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if Lummy Flux is. <laughs> like, why didn't you say so? That's I know those guys. Steve. Yeah. Oh, hey, Steve, come on over to my buddy Kareem's uh, podcast. He wants to interview you <laughs> about skepticism. Oh, boy. Anyway, do you have any tips, Brent, before... 
we kind of wrap things up. Do you have any tips treat to the people about all of your facts, just like we treat every coin? When we research the coins, we research, we look at what they put out as their information. Then we actively search for the opposite information and we try to find the accuracy in between. That's why I stand by our 101s. I really think we do some of the best research in the business. We might not be big like the rest of rest of the guys. We might not be able to code, but I promise you we do not fall for they they got to go through some real jujitsu shit to get us to fall for something. As much as I think we're idiots, we do not fall for the level 1 shenanigans that people are trying to pull and now i realize we might have to go higher so do your research on everything we got to go to level three as soon as you put something in we your brain go to level three and four and friend. you're like i know this fact now go check on that fact oh my god i mean kareem is yeah. literally just ruined i me. feel like my new favorite <laughs> my new favorite format is going to be round tables in which i can destroy uh brent's worldview <laughs> uh, uh, mike isn't even gonna believe us <laughs> just find things you like and trust I'm going to tell Mike, Kareem just ruined Wikipedia. He ruined the immediate competitor I found in Everpedia, and he ruined Snopes all in the same episode, and Mike's going to tell me I'm an idiot. But then he's going to listen to the episode, and he's going to be oh, like, ooh. And guess what, Brent? You know what I said about diet soda oh. earlier? <laughs> I lied. <laughs> uh, all right, man. I think uh, I think it's going to wrap it up. I, wish, I do wish Mike would have been here for this conversation. It would have been fun to get him... To play Did we get any advocate, updates? Did he win that tournament? I don't know, but he's doing our favorite thing, which is making money. So, Mike, wish you good luck. I hope you get pocket aces. It's my favorite hand. Brent, anything else you want to say? You to know what? People? Join us in our Discord if you want to hear us destroy anyone else's childhood. Just throw in the different things you want to hear. If we can tie it to crypto in any way, we might just talk about it. Stick to crypto is something. some feedback we've had a couple times since we started with these roundtables. I don't know how much we're going to listen to that. So <laughs> the crypto content will be at the front. Yeah, no, no, no. We're partying we're the bed. Let loose. Yeah, listen, if if you're not into our non-crypto discussions, you skip the roundtable. But if you have good roundtable propositions, let's hear them. As a matter of fact, I'm going to create that in the Discord right oh, now. Doing it live. Doing it live. Right. Do, uh, let's do it live. Let's do it live. Do not skip the <laughs> roundtables right. that have I think we're rambling a bit. Those will not. The, the, those no, no, are no, going to be very pointed and very crypto related for the most part, unless the guest is non crypto. So the yeah, don't skip those. Those guests are going to always be interesting. If they're not interesting, we do the interview. We're just not going to post it. So the you know we'll just uh, we'll just be like, hey, sorry, audio got corrupted. My bad. <laughs> Whatever. Yep. So um, that's it. Let's join the Discord. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow us on YouTube. We're at Crypto Basic Pod on Twitter, Crypto Basic on YouTube. Those links are always all over the place. We kind of f- fucked up the YouTube video on Friday, but generally we're going to release YouTube videos here and there. So check them out. They're really bad, but maybe you just want to watch on YouTube rather than listen to uh, listen to us talk. We're going to get better at the video, but we suck right now. <laughs> all right i think that is um gonna do it don't forget to check out our other 101s if you're new to the podcast we've covered a bunch of coins where we really dug in in depth if you want to learn about a specific project go find that thank you so much for listening everybody i was here with brent philbin destroying his childhood his reality uh, i didn't mean to and Oops, didn't my mean name to. is kareem baruke thank you so much for listening 
We out. Also, the members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors, even though I don't know how much they talked about finances on this episode. Just get that through your head. They are idiots. All investments have inherent risk. This is a, an entertaining show only. Do your own research. Oh,